Welcome to the Bold Movement Podcast. Every Thursday, you can expect an exegetical approach to scripture as you're led verse by verse through the real stories in the Bible. You can find all episodes of the Bold Movement Podcast for free on iTunes and Spotify. And every Monday, make sure to check out Bold Is. This week, join Meg as she teaches you God's Word and discover why, to this day, it's still as relevant and significant as it was then. Are you ready to be bold? Here's your host, Megan Rollins. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Megan Rawlings, and in this episode, we're going to work through Esther chapter 5. If you are new to our podcast, welcome, glad you could make it. We will read a verse or two of scripture, and then we will stop and discuss what it means. So without further ado, let's get started. Today we are reading from the New Living Translation, commonly known as the NLT. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner corner, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. This is actually a big deal. If you'll remember last week, we talked about the fact that Esther literally could have been killed for approaching the king without him summoning her. Summoning her. Summoning? summonsing summonsing her (laughs) i don't know the word that's okay now she's putting on her royal robes and entering the court and many scholars think that she is asserting herself as the queen by wearing the robes in his presence joyce baldwin said the columns were not permitted to obscure the vision of the king as he sat upon his throne and when he caught sight of queen esther in all her regal beauty and realized that only some weighty problem would have induced her to appear before him un bidden he extended to her the golden scepter the king's movement of in of his scepter indicates that esther is to approach and touch the tip of it to symbolize her acceptance the dramatic tension between human relationships and the overriding demand of royal protocol is always full of fascination let's move on to verse three Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half of the kingdom. And I kind of read that in the wrong tone, so I'm going to reread that probably in a closer version of how it went. (laughs) And then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And here's why I say that. This is an idiom and was used pretty frequently, too. He's obviously not actually offering up half the kingdom, but we see similar language in Mark with Herod's offer when he says you can have up to half of this kingdom to his stepdaughter. Do you remember? She's the one who had just finished dancing for him. Gross. And this offer caused John the Baptist to lose his life. Verse 4. And Esther replied, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. It was not uncommon for the king to be accompanied by other officials and guards, despite the fact they are not mentioned here explicitly. Nevertheless, Haman is also invited to this informal banquet held by Esther. And while they were drinking wine, and let's just note here that it was um, Queen Vashti was removed and stripped of being queen while the king is drinking. And then we can kind of compare and contrast it with him drinking here with Esther. Just something to think about. 
And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now, tell me what you really want. What you really, really want. And she said, I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. I'm just kidding. That's not what happened at all. Now, Now, tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Here's that half the kingdom idiom again, okay? And Esther replied, this is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what it is that this is all about. Okay, Esther's asked by the king while he's drinking, right? What's the real question here? And scripture is not explicit. And I I don't want to speak where scripture is silent. But for some reason, and this is something that I, it bothers me that I don't have the answer to and it shouldn't. But for some reason, Esther did not just come out with an answer. Instead, she stalled by inviting Haman and the king back again the next day. Now, I have some assumptions. And like I said, I don't like to speak where scripture is silent. Was she nervous? Um, Did it just kind of get to her? Was she building up for dramatic effect? Did Haman give her a look? Like, that is seriously on my list of questions I'm asking God when I get to heaven. Of course, I'll probably spend the first, you know, 100,000 years on my face just bowing to him and praising him. But I do have some questions. (laughs) Verse 9. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet, but when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. Haman was on a cloud nine here and he, as he left the dinner with the royals, but Mordecai's calmness straight up ticks him off. Let's look at verse 10. However, he restrained himself and went on home. And when Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children, he bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Okay, first of all, if you're going to brag, what a thing to brag about, right? Hey, the royals invited me to dinner. I'm pretty great. I have all this money, and I have so many kids. (laughs) Anywho, it appears that Haman's wife, acts as an advisor just like his friends and baldwin says as fools proclaim their folly proverbs 12 23 so Haman could not conceal the extent of his prosperity his order of priorities puts his riches in first place even before his sons who we learn later were 10 in number but uppermost in his thoughts are the recent honors which give him precedence over every other subject in the kingdom okay let's continue on in verse 12 then Haman added and that's not all Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Okay, right here, he seriously thinks it's because he's great. Really, it's because she's about to oust him and and get him in lots of trouble. Really sneaky there, Esther. And then he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting there at the palace gate. Talk about letting someone else rob your joy. So Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested, set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall, and in the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. Good grief, they're not even, like, messing around here. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. 
Karen Job said that Zeresh's advice is reminiscent to that of Jezebel when her husband, King Ahab, was sulking like a spoiled child in 1 Kings 21. Like Haman, all of Ahab's power and entitlement failed to satisfy because he wanted just one more thing, the vineyard owned by Naboth. Jezebel's solution was to arrange the murder of Naboth so that Ahab could have what he wanted. With similar reasoning, Zeresh counsels Haman simply to kill Mordecai. The satisfaction of human pride and its demand for honor and respect outweigh the value of human life in the pagan world of Persia. Alright ladies, that's all for today's episode of the Bold Movement Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week when we talk about Chapter 5 of Esther. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so you never miss an episode. Check out our free resources and more podcasts at our website, www.theboldmovement.com. We're able to continue podcast episodes like this because of listeners like you who donate to our Patreon. This week, we are giving an early look at our podcast and videos, and you won't want to miss it. Until next time, go out and be bold.